A lesson on perfectionism as a coach. So this episode is airing a week late, uh, but it didn't have to be that late if I weren't a perfectionist. So you see, I was a couple days off because, you know, life. But then I got in my head about it not being uniform and properly executed. (coughs) Perfect. (laughs) So I pushed it until today. And the reason I share this is because I did it in coaching too. Did you ever have a drill that didn't quite go to plan so you completely scrapped it? Or you weren't seeing the results that you wanted with a particular player, so you took a complete right turn and tried something else? Only to realize later that it wasn't quite necessary to make that drastic of a change, and things probably would have been better if you just had made a slight adjustment instead. The lesson here is, when we are perfectionists as coaches, sometimes we make decisions that end up kind of holding us back. It also fits with recent holiday, Thanksgiving. Most people forget the second part of the term, giving. And the message is about giving back to others, right? Well, I also encourage you to give back to yourself. Give yourself some credit. Give yourself some praise. And give yourself a break if things aren't just right. Because we're always learning and developing our coaching skills. And that's what we love, right? So good news for you. We'll be doing that in our upcoming Difference Makers Bootcamp. More on that in the end. And that's what we're talking about in today's episode. Let's jump in. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing. And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I've got an awesome guest today. I am so thankful for Twitter for this reason. It connected me with this amazing human, and I cannot wait for you to hear her story, her tips and advice, and all the things she and her new program can do for you as well. Please welcome Dr. Megan Bunning. Welcome. Thank you. I don't know if I can do that intro justice. (laughs) You absolutely can. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't set it up unless I believe you can do it. <laughs> so Dr. Bunning, tell us a little bit about your journey and bonus guys. She's a softballer. Yeah. So I have kind of a weird journey, so I don't know how much your audience knows, but right now I am a teaching specialist in a new program at Florida state called FSU coach interdisciplinary center. So basically it is a coach education program, but it has taken, uh, you know, 20 something years to get to where I am. And I know you want to know how I got there. So, um, you know, I played softball as a pitcher at the university of South Carolina, had a great four years there and then went on and played, uh, briefly with the British national team. No, I'm not British clearly by the accent. Uh, but, I was a guest pitcher for them as they needed to qualify for the 2004 Olympics. So myself and Jody Cox and Jamie Wallback and Gina Garcia Oaks, you know, we all went over and we helped the British qualify for the 04 Olympics. I was actually the first pitcher to pitch off of the rubber in Athens. So that's my big claim to fame. Uh, Played there and then played professionally in the NPF with the New England Riptide, which is a team that's not in existence anymore, but we came in second in the league that year. And then I went on to kind of, I left pro and went to Florida State as a 
assistant coach. I was a pitching coach and worked with catching. Um, I was there for three years. So that was 04 to 07. While I was there, and this is important to kind of interweave into my background. While I was there, I, I took advantage of the employee tuition assistance program. So at these larger universities they have where um, staff can go, even faculty can go and you can take a certain amount of courses per semester for free. Well, I wanted to take advantage of that. And at the time that was my first coaching job, I thought, well, I'm gonna be in coaching. This is it for me. And I wanna make sure that I'm the best coach that I can be. And the program that most directly aligned that was available at Florida State was the sports psychology program. So while I was there at Florida State as a, as a full-time assistant coach, you know, working 80 plus hours a week, I was also taking classes and ended up finishing my master's degree in sports psychology. Uh, took a little bit extra time. So it was fall of 2008 and it was a thesis. So I had to do research. That's also important. During my time as a student, and a coach and getting into the research and having to get into sports psych material like I did, I noticed that my perspective and approach to coaching started to shift. And it, it came with being able to be actively coaching and actively in the literature and learning and seeing how things play out and being able to apply. And so I saw about a 90 degree shift in my approach. So I took two years, I left Florida State and went back closer to home where my family is in the South Carolina, North Carolina area and coached at Coastal Carolina for two years as associate head coach for that last year. And then you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good fit for us and got a call to go to the University of Mississippi in 2009. So we packed up at the time I had a three month old and we moved down to Oxford, Mississippi and I coached there for two years, ending as associate head coach. While I was there and in Oxford, I did the same thing. They had employee tuition assistance. I said, I'd be a fool not to take advantage of this. So I started my doctorate there in 2010. So this was kind of that second year <clears throat> of coaching and um, continued my research in sports psychology. And then in 2011, the head coach was let go and I made the decision to get out of coaching at that point uh, because of the demands of the job and because I knew I was in kind of the, a good track for me, but I, it wasn't the track for me in terms of job fit. So I stayed on as a graduate assistant and uh, finished my doctorate there at Ole Miss and worked briefly in strategic planning and assessment for one of the departments. And then uh, in January of 2014, got my first faculty position um, at Augusta University. So then there's this weird, like you were a coach and then all of a sudden you're faculty and you teach, I was teaching research methods and statistics to graduate students. So kind of a weird alignment. Well, the students that I were that I was teaching at Augusta, and I ended up staying there for six and a half years almost. Uh, they were K twelve educators, counselor educators, administrators. So I was dealing with some folks that had coaching because a lot of people in K twelve coach, right? And I was continuing my research line in sports psych and in um, coach education, and I was making. I received promotion and tenure there, and things were kind of on a roll, but I still didn't feel like it was a fit. While I was at Augusta, a couple of key things happened. In 2015, 
ESPN bought the SEC network. And at that point said, we're going to broadcast all games of all sports teams in the SEC, which was huge. I get chill bumps just even thinking about how that happened. Well, Augusta is about an hour and 15 minutes away from the University of South Carolina, which was my undergrad. And I received a call to see if I would be interested in serving as a talent analyst for the SEC Network Digital, so the SEC Network Plus station and the softball team. I had not done that. Now, as a professor, and I've always had strong uh, public speaking skills, and, and it's not scared me. And as a professor, we talk a lot, right? Hence this introduction. Um, so I went and, and served as the talent analyst for six years. And it opened up a lot of doors. And one door that it opened was uh, being able to work with game officials, umpires primarily. I did some data collection around that and how we deliver mental performance training to them and if it's even beneficial. Well, around uh, 2000, actually it was this year, it was 2020, <clears throat> a job posting came open at Florida State. And it was like the job description was written for me. I had a couple people call me up and said, have you seen this job description? This is you to a T. And when I read it, it was, it was written for me. And essentially it was me leaving a comfortable position at Augusta University, giving up my talent analyst position at the University of South Carolina and moving out of the comfort zone, but getting into what I consider my dream job. And so now what I get to do is Dr. Timothy Baghurst is the director of the FSU coach program. And he really came in first and started it in 2019. And then now he's brought me in to help him teach and develop this new coach education program. So in a roundabout way, and I'm also teaching in the sports psychology program. I have a certification. I'm a certified mental performance consultant, which came about those uh, degrees and softball paid for it all basically. Love. Ah, oh, such a good, I, ah, oh, it was perfect. I saw it because I've been following you, like reading your stuff, learning about your research and stuff on umpires and your past. And then when I saw that you took that job, I was like, oh yeah, perfect fit. <laughs> so that is awesome. Congratulations and super excited. So I cannot wait to dive into this because you've had so many different perspectives as a coach, player, performance specialist got all the things so I would love to now take you into one of my favorite topics coach education uh how do you think coach education in general has been so far because hey like you took advantage of a good opportunity and still like not very many people get that or know that it's a thing um so how do you think that's gone so far yeah so I think Coach education has really transformed over the last 10 years. As I mentioned, when I was seeking my master's degree, I didn't, there weren't any coach education programs, at least in my vicinity. I didn't know of any and never heard of it. And so the closest thing was the sports psychology, which I'm glad that I, that I took. I've always been interested in that side, right? But it's not for everybody. Some folks want to get trained just to set them up to be a coach. And so a lot of the coach education for you and I has been learning from mentors. And that's been if we could find mentors that were not threatened and willing to share information. And unfortunately, that uh, that happens in the coaching world. Sometimes you have young coaches coming up and they're just are not good mentors that they have access to. 
I will say I've seen kind of two things happen, at least uh, one specifically within the softball world and then in the coach education field. Um, the first thing that I've seen, let's start with the coach education field. Uh, in the last 10 years or so, uh, folks have started to realize that there is a need and a, and a niche for specifically targeting education for coaches. And so you're seeing programs now, particularly in the Southeast and on the Southeast side. And uh, prior to FSU Coach, when you look at those other programs, they are doing good things because they are trying to get a degree for coaches. But what's happened is they have to pull from faculty that are within particular departments that are not necessarily coaches or have that background. So for instance, you go to a coach education program and you may have to take a kinesiology course and you're being taught by a kinesiology specialist that's targeting you know, your med students or something like that. As coaches, we, we need coach speak. We need to hear from folks that can translate into here is kinesiology, here's the stuff you need to know about it, and then here's how that translate into your, translates into your practice. And so FSU Coach is, as far as we know, the first program that is actually delivering coach education by coaches. So we have this qualification, we've, we've, we have our chops in academia, we've published, we've presented, particularly Dr. Baghurst, he's a full professor. And then, but we've both coached and we've had our boots on the ground. And I think he's actually still coaching. So, uh, you know, we're trying to come at you from, we're one of you and we want to help get you there. Uh, so what you'll see in our program is you'll see, um, you know, kinesiology, we'll talk about human performance and a little bit of the kinesiology, but we're gonna break it down to what you need to know and how you can use that to help make you a better coach. So things like that. The other thing I've seen particularly within the sport of softball is the NFCA and the growth that that professional organization has made. Because when I was coming through, they didn't have the stuff going on that they have now. And so over the last several years, uh, we've seen this emergence of coach education within the organization. And then we've seen this mentoring program emerge. And I really think for this sport in particular, that has been critical. Uh, I, can't, I can't get off social media or get on social media without seeing somebody that is just floored by the mentoring they're receiving or the education that they're receiving. And that, that is a positive thing. And that's, that's what more of sport needs. So true. I love the NFCA. Shout out. If you're not a member yet, guys, join. If you, for whatever reason, can't join, at least listen to the podcast and follow them on social. Amazing resources. So keep an eye on them. Um, and yeah, I am totally with you. The mentoring thing, it's hard. Even the coaches who are willing and like want to share ideas, like they don't have time. <laughs> so I was a part of the mentoring program, um, the mentorship triangles. Uh, and it's awesome. The way they set up, it's just, it's super casual. We call each other like once a month or every couple of weeks during season. It was of course COVID season. So that didn't last long. Um, but it was so great just to be able to chat with other coaches and just get some validation of the things you're going through. <laughs> like even just like guys need to complain for a minute and to hear other people say like, Oh yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Super helpful. So on in that vein, what do you think is coming up in the future with 
hopefully more programs like FSU coming up. So more regionally uh, can reach more coaches. What do you see as the future of coaching and where we can take it from all levels? Cause let's be honest, I was a college coach and I needed so much even last year I was done. It's just so slow learning on your feet and learning as you go by trial and error. <laughs> so what do you see the future looking like? Well, I think that hence because FSU coach is a new program and developing, it wouldn't have been developed without data. And so in the last year or so, there's been at least a 30% increase. I, I can't remember the exact numbers in the interest to have a, a specialized program for coaches. And that's why you've seen some other institutions add coach education. It's been kind of tentative at first, but we're seeing that coach education is actually one of the fastest growing fields. And so the interest is there. I think what's important is going to be the delivery. So, so we have to, we're going to, let's take FSU coach. We're going to put this program together and we're going to start getting graduates. We need a way to assess and measure to show that the, the, schooling that they are receiving, the education they're receiving is beneficial. It's worth the money. And, you know, that's a programmatic thing. And we figure out how to do that as we go, right? Um, I think we're going to see more institutions start having coach education programs. Now, COVID has slowed some things down because there's been budget cuts. Uh, so there may be a hiccup there. And then post-COVID, when people start kind of, and institutions start kind of getting back on their feet, if the interest is still there, they'll add it. I mean, you think about how many of our uh, folks that are coaches are not being exposed or don't like, like what you said, didn't even know that there are programs out there. So you have K-12, a lot of our coaches come from that K-12 setting because they're teachers and then they're coaching on the side. Some states have standards in certain levels of cert certificates or tiers that they have to meet, but what a lot of it is uh, what I see is more about um, first aid and, uh, you know, that kind of safety training where when you're looking at, so right now FSU coaches an athletic coaching certificate. So it's a nine hour certificate that involves an internship. So even something like that is a tertiary level of certification where you've gone in and you've spent time learning about the theory and practice of coaching, um, human performance. Uh, research and how that applies to coaching. And then you've spent time in the field getting those hours. So I personally think based off of the data that coach education is, is going to continue to grow. Uh, if there are coaches out there that are not continuing their education, you know, the finding a mentor is extremely important. It is, but as you've said, it can be, and as I've said, it can be very difficult. Uh, it takes a lot of time. And mentorship and networking is extremely important, but it's not something that a lot of us can spend a whole lot of time on all of the time. And so, you know, then you get into reading self-help books and, and that's great. It is, it's part of it, but how many of those self-help books are really touching on budgeting, marketing, fundraising, you know, dealing with female athletes, you know, that kind of thing. So you're having to read a lot of books why not come into an education program where you're going to get that already and you're going to walk out with a degree that is backed by a credentialed institution? That's huge. I get that all the time. Like people are always asking for books and I love books. Do not get me wrong, but there's a big difference between learning and applying. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's great to find 
a program where not only do these people know how to apply it, but they have. So I think that is super important for people to keep in mind. Um, when you're looking for mentors, looking for programs, looking for anything. And I agree with you. I think it's going to boom because I, I don't know how many coaches I've met, volunteer coaches, coaches at small schools, coaches at bigger schools. They all are in it to help their student athletes and make a difference and really impact their lives. So when they are finally given something that'll help them do this more efficiently with less stress <laughs> in a way that's going to be more effective, they're like, yes, count me in. So I'm super excited for that piece. And I guess the last, oh, that's my favorite one. I cannot wait to see where you go with this one. What piece of advice would you give coaches? So our, our theme is win more games, have more fun, because <laughs> both are awesome. Um, what advice would you give to coaches? Not to teach to their players, but to win more games and have more fun themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's a really good one. And I'm going to take it from first kind of the younger coaches coming in, because this is something that I wish that I had done. When I first started out, as many coaches do, a lot of times you're coming straight from the playing field to the coach's box, right? And I think that I took too hard of a line between I'm a coach, you're an athlete, because I was scared of that I'm young, I'm close to your age, and we need to have this professional relationship. And I'm, I have a very strong moral grounding, like a ethics and rules and that kind of thing. So I didn't want there to be any blur there. But what happened is, and, and, and let me add, I was coached, I came up in the old school era. Uh, and so that was kind of the way coaching was. But I think what it did is it created too much of a divide between me as a coach and the athletes. And so I think I missed the opportunity to build better relationships with the athletes and it didn't, it didn't settle for me until later in my coaching years. And then by then I was so tired and done with it all that it, it didn't really matter much to me. If I had started out realizing that I don't have to take everything so seriously and that these are young, young men, young women, whoever you're listening, whatever you coach, they, that you, they look up to you and they can learn so much from you and you can have a relationship with them that is professional and still be there for them as a mentor. So I wish that I had taken more of a, Hey, I've been through this and I want to see you succeed. And so to do that, I'm going to let my wall down a little bit and I'm just going to be authentic. I'm just going to be real with you instead of that hard line approach. And if you let yourself relax and build relationships with them, you'll find out that these athletes are really cool people. You're cool. You know, I mean, you yourself, whoever's listening, you're cool. And they, there's things that they can learn from you and you're in such an influential position. So let yourself be open and available for older coaches. I think the advice would be to, you know, sometimes, um, not sometimes, a lot of times we get caught up in the athletes today quote today, right? They've changed a lot and things have changed. The games have changed. The way we play them, rules have changed. Equipment has changed. The way the athletes are raised, that has changed. And I think if we try to hold fast too much to the old school way or the old way that we learned how to coach, then it's, it makes it kind of miserable for us. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have your core values and your non-negotiables. You still have to have those, right? 
but being careful to assess, is this just me holding on to past life or can I wiggle here and let the athletes have, have a little bit more say or have a little bit more fun and, you know, that kind of thing. And I would say to look at yourself and if you're not having fun, try to figure out why, what really is it? And is there something that you might can wiggle on uh, and to, to get out there? And I know sometimes physically we can't, but throw a ball, do something silly, let yourself go to help maybe kind of kick that fun back in for you. Because I'll be honest with you, when I got out of coaching in 2011, I couldn't even watch a softball game for until about 2015. So it took years because I had just been so beat down. I had lost my passion and um, didn't even like the word softball. And it wasn't until I was able to take that external viewer position and start talking about those ladies on the field and what they were doing and about the game and seeing it and see how much fun they were having. It wasn't until 2015 that I was able to say, you know what, I do love this sport and I do need to get back and I am in a position that I can get back. And so I don't know what that would be for them, but I encourage them to, if you need to take a step back, do it. Burnout is real. Frustration is real. And it's okay to say, you know what, I got to put this down because I know somewhere I love this sport and I enjoy it, but I got to find it again for me. And sometimes that's just being a spectator. So I don't know if that's a really great answer, but just kind of bringing in that personal perspective. Well, it absolutely is. That's one of my biggest drivers in this business is like seeing so many coaches like have to leave, like as much as they loved it and they knew that like, uh, there's something I love about it, but, and like just the look on their faces when they like leave this sport, oh, I hate it. <laughs> so yeah, that awful. is my, my personal mission. Well, and across the board, when you look at the research that's out there, you know, and this is common sense. I mean, we see this happening all the time. Coaches are, we're losing coaches. We're losing game officials and we're losing coaches and we're particularly losing female coaches. And there are reasons for that. And so we've got to address those reasons. And sometimes as a coach, you just gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. Um, but I would encourage you if, you, if you're at that point where you're just burned out and you're done with it, to hold off on making the decision to not return and not like the sport. Before you cross that line, take a step back and just be, just breathe, go take care of yourself. And it may, you may realize with fresh eyes one day, I mean, when you look at the, the coverage of the sport of softball in particular these days, it, you know, I, I look at this and it gets exciting for me again, because I think about as when we grew up, they always say baseball athletes are so much better. That was again, air quote, better than softball athletes at these ages and in college. Well, yeah, because it's always been on TV. Now our children are growing up and softball's on TV and they can see it just like the baseball athletes saw it when they came up. And so we're gonna start, we're gonna see a big transition again and how much better these athletes are. And to me, that's exciting. So sitting back and watching that and getting outside myself. And when I really, I, you know, I kind of think about the gratitude journals, this is that sports psych stuff coming in. Um, you heard it before softball paid for three degrees for me. And, uh, and I, and I worked hard. Let's, let's not get crazy there. I worked hard, but softball was the vehicle 
for where I am today. And it took me a while to step back and be grateful and thankful for that and realize that I can give back. And a lot of these coaches, they're in positions to give back. And so I hope that they get that drive. I don't know about you, but Dr. Bunning gets me even more excited to get back to coaching. And honestly, I'm kind of jealous of the coaches who are going through their program right now. So if you want to follow her and learn more about the program and what she does, follow her on Twitter at Dr. Bunning. That's D-R-B-U-N-I-N-G. And if you're the type of coach who loves learning and growing like I do, I cordially invite you to our next round of the Virtual Coaches Clinic, the Difference Makers Bootcamp. In just three sessions, you'll create a customized practical blueprint for being the type of leader your girls need this season. If you want to learn more, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash coach bootcamp. If it's before Friday, December 4th, it is the wait list. And after that, you can sign right up. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to support at mentalsweetspot.com or shoot us a message on social media. And in the meantime, thank you again for listening and have a good one.